Welcome back to Dr. Bruce, where we continue with our introduction to the thought beyond thought of Dr. R.P. Kaushik. In answering a series of audience questions about what happens when the energy encounters sexual, ego, and other centers, Dr. Kaushik reveals how the universe inside each of us flexes with tension. One insight for the levity zone is that this tension is the source of all of our needs and all of our ills, and to move beyond it is to become a new kind of human being. Are you interested in any particular question or subject which you would like to discuss? I'm very unclear about sexual energy and what one is to do with it. Any other question? Yes? In the first talk, you said you were proposing for these seven talks a move toward total transformation. Total transformation will come but through people's questions. Is it possible to be in love with one person and yet have the universal love that we supposedly are all capable of having? All right. Yes? Um, could you say something about healing and Self-healing. Healing and self-healing. And also in sustaining the energy once it's perceived as such. Once you perceive the energy, whether you can sustain it. The quality of desperation that accompanies being alone. Any other question? What, what to do with the ego? What to do with the ego? <laughs> If the energy is too strong and coming through the ego, it will burn the ego. That will be the end of it. Throughout history, people who have been very egoistic and some very strong energy came through them, they will destroy it. It's a very self-limiting process. Fortunately, ego cannot go very far in being destructive when the energy is too strong. So I don't think it's a problem. The problem of the ego is only when the energy is too weak, when it's coming through it. Then it can play with it. Isn't it? So, any other question? And now the last question is from my side. How to combine all these questions into one question? <laughs> so that it can be talked about and everybody's question can be answered. Could it be uh, combined in one question, how to stop chasing illusion? How? How to stop chasing illusion. How to stop chasing illusion. Yesterday, when you were listening to that music, I think all those who were present felt a certain energy, which was more or less a common experience. And now the question arises, whether this energy was coming from the musician or from the musical notes, the sound, 
or the listener. The best music may be played, but you are not interested in it. I know in India, many people who are interested in ordinary popular film music, they will turn off their radios whenever there is a classical program. The classical music puts them to sleep. They get bored with it. People who are interested in jazzy music, roll and rock, <laughs> they will have no interest in this softer music. And once I went into a discotheque, I was rather taken into a discotheque by some friends, and I said, all right. The so-called museum was deafening. If that could be the word, deafening. Does all the sensations of hearing and so stones you. That also gives you a certain experience. So the question arises, does this energy come from the music? Does it come from the musician? Or does it come from the listener? If you can answer this question, all our questions can be solved. This evening's questions. And yesterday, I asked you if you have any questions, we'll discuss it today. Yesterday was not the occasion for discussing questions. The music is going on all the time in the universe. If you could just listen, go to a forest, go to the mountains, go into a cave, go into an underground cellar and sit quietly and try to listen and you will find music is going on all the time. So music is going on all the time, here and everywhere. But you have no time or attention to listen. You simply don't listen. The listener is not there. So if the listener is there, and you can listen, you will be able to hear the highest note, the supreme music, which comes from beyond. I said yesterday that sometimes art comes from the superficial, conscious, intellectual level. Sometimes it comes from the unconscious level. And sometimes it comes from beyond the conscious as well as the unconscious level. So yesterday we were having an experience where the music was coming from beyond the conscious as well as the unconscious. That's why the musician, the music and the listener, they were one energy, not separate. There were no separate things, there was only one thing in the room. So the supreme energy or the highest energy, the basic energy of life, 
is a unitary energy, is one energy. The fundamental energy is one. Which is absolute reality or God or truth or love or whatever you would like to call it, you may call it. In which no division exists. But when you listen to this beautiful music, somewhere thought arises and wants to evaluate it, wants to interpret it, wants to understand this music, wants to understand this energy. And then the listener separates himself from the music. The observer separates itself from the energy. And when you separate this energy from yourself, you become the observer and the energy is outside somewhere there. Then the energy is fragmented, is divided, broken. And this fragmentation may also have some function sometimes. For certain functional purposes, the division of the energy may be necessary. For example, when the electric current is passing through a fridge, you get ice there. Things remain <clears throat> cool. And from the same plug, there's another wire which is going to the heater, the hot plate. And you're heating your food there, cooking your food. And there is a third wire which is going from the same plug, same point, to a fan which is giving you cool air. And then there is another plug, from the same plug, another wire is going into your electronic watch which is giving you time, which is neither hot nor cold, but which is telling you time is passing away. Now there are so many different various manifestations of energy question is, is it one electrical energy or many energies? The manifestations are different. So functionally, the energy which is basically one may differentiate itself into various parts, fragments. But when fragmentation takes place, not because of function, but because of the observer's preference and choice and pleasure, not function but my pleasure and choice, the idiosyncrasy of the observers, then that fragmentation is a wastage of energy. It's no longer functional, it's a wastage. So the same energy which is coming through your organism, through your body, let's say the body is the instrument through which this energy is passing. When this energy is operating in your head, then it is the intellectual energy. You can do calculations, you can reason, you can use logic, you can do planning. You can be very cool, calm and detached. Solve problems of physics and mathematics. Nothing to do with persons, no emotions. Very calm and calculated. When this energy goes down a little bit and touches your heart, then it is the emotional energy. You feel very emotional towards things, towards other people, towards animals, towards plants, towards your possessions, towards the picture of your husband or wife or your beloved, 
who might be living or may not be living, but this picture makes you feel so emotional. The intellect says it's dead, it's finished. This picture is a piece of paper or a piece of canvas. But the heart says, no, it's my beloved. And now you do not know whether the head is saying the right thing or heart is saying the right thing. So the moment the energy has passed through a different center, then it has become the emotional energy. And when it passes downwards from the heart center into the navel center, then it's the energy of vitality. You want to eat food, nice food, high protein diet, nuts, butter, and feel strong. Do exercise and eat and build your body and build your stamina. You want to run, you want to jog, go long distance walking or running and eat nourishing food and feel fit. So when you have this sense of fitness, then many things which bother other people, this emotional thing and all that, you wonder whether they are all crazy. Because this energy in the navel is giving you so much vitality. Same energy when he's just gone down there. And then it passes downwards a little further into the sex center. And immediately it goes there, it gives you a very soft feeling. You seem to be just melting, in, just melting like an ice cream. And you feel something is happening to you. And you look around and you see different visions. As on an acid trip, you start seeing different visions. You start seeing things beautiful which they are not beautiful. Or they are beautiful in a particular sense. Things appear to you beautiful for sexual purpose. Not the real beauty, but the sexual beauty. And when this urge is satisfied, the sexual urge is satisfied, then the person who was looking so beautiful to you, you find not so beautiful. So then you discover that this energy which you are calling sexual energy was not sexual energy, it was dope. Which you have been calling sexual energy. It was dope. It just doped you. And many times it happens. Whenever this energy goes there into your sex center, you feel stimulated, you look around, you fall in love, feel romantic, get very strongly attracted to someone, and this only happens, this strong attraction only happens which you call sexual energy or love or romance, when some tension builds up in your sex center, the energy gets concentrated there, and a build-up takes place, with that tension now you start looking everything in a different coloring. And once you start looking that way, once this tension builds up, and you start looking in a different way, in a particular way, no amount of logic or reasoning is going to stop you from looking that way. You can argue, no, no, this is the same, you have done so many times before, it is all useless. But you keep on arguing to yourself, but somewhere only your head is arguing, the rest of your body is not listening. <laughs> 
and so the inevitable takes place. The head keeps on arguing and the body goes to indulgence. Because once the tension builds up in any of these centers, the tension must find release. If tension is built up and it's not found release, the tension is going to create sickness, disorder, imbalance. And if the energy goes still further from the sexual center to the first center which is called the Muladhara, so the same energy which is traveling from the seventh center to the first center, same energy, is creating so many manifestations. And after this energy has created your universe. Each one of you has a universe. Your intellectual universe, your vocal universe, your emotional universe, your vital universe, your sexual universe, and your material universe. The first center or the Muladhara is the material universe. So when this energy has created your universe, it goes to sleep. It goes to sleep in the Muladhara, in the first center. When it goes to sleep, it is called the Kundalini. Is it clear? And Kundalini is figuratively described as like a snake coiled around itself with three and a half circles and holding its own tail in its mouth and going to a state of hibernation, sleep. So now the creative force, which was one energy, which was neither emotional, which was neither intellectual, nor sexual, has been transformed into so many aspects. And then ultimately, after creating whatever it had to create, it goes to sleep. Now how this universe is created? The energy was one. The energy had no name. The energy had no form. It was one energy. But as soon as it touches the intellect, intellect gives it the name. Intellect doesn't function excepting through word, through thought. That's the only instrument available to the intellect. And then tries to figure out is it the musician, is it the music, or is it the me? And it cannot figure out. Sometimes it thinks the energy is coming from the musician. <laughs> and sometimes it thinks it's the music. And last of all it knows, if I am not there, who is the musician and who is, what is the music? I am the source of everything. So it's the me. So intellect is moving on past experiences. Thought is moving on past experiences. Thought cannot function without memory. And memory is related to the past. And now whatever manifestation of the energy may be, either in the fifth center or the fourth center or third center or second center, that energy is every moment is going to be mixed up with word, with sound. Memory which creates the word, 
and that world is sound. So in the heart center you may feel a certain softness. There are moments when you feel a certain softness. But the intellect again wants to figure it out. What is this softness? From where does it come? Is it the beloved or is it the lover? And because thought can see only one thing at a time, it cannot see the whole. Thought can either see either the musician or the music or itself. Thought cannot see the musician, the music and the observer together. It cannot see. Not possible. If it sees the three at the same time, thought comes to an end. So intellect always moves through analysis, classification, division. Fragmentation, looking at things part by part. It cannot look at the whole. And then looking at one part, it wants to relate one part to another. And this juggling of trying to relate one part with the other, it calls understanding, which we know is intellectual understanding. It doesn't solve any problem. Intellectually, you know everything under the moon and the sun. You know everything. But in your life, it has no value, no effect. It's not operative in your life, but you know it. You're all sitting here wanting to find out the truth. You all know it. You know what must not be done. You know what is right. You know what is wrong. But you have no power to stop what is wrong. Going inside you, you know it is wrong, but you can't stop it. Why? Because all that understanding is intellectual. The intellect knows, the rest of the body does not know. Because you have never experienced this energy as a whole, without words, without thought. You have not experienced it. And if you have experienced it, you have not experienced the energy of thought. You have not experienced the word. We talk so much. We talk of sound. We talk of thought. But how many of us have actually experienced what thought is? We know intellectually what thought is. We can analyze what thought is, trace it to its source. It's memory, and from memory is the word, and from the word, combination of words, and combination of words make a sentence, and sentence becomes a thought. And you can go on. But have you ever felt the impact of thought directly in your heart, in your being, in the center of your being, your whole body? Have you ever felt any thought? What thought does to your body, to your mind, your heart? Your stomach, your kidneys, your liver, your intestines, what does it do? What thought does? So once you go from the realm of this intellectual understanding to the realm of actual experiencing, life undergoes a change. So talk less, think less, experience more, feel more. And with this feeling, opening up this feeling, you will find the area in which you use the intellect will become less and less. You don't need so much of intellect because it's a very sterile instrument. It's not solving your problems. So then this whole energy, right up from the intellect to the emotions, 
and to your navel center and your sex center. It is the energy of thought. It's the energy of sound. And therefore the kulni, which appears to be so mysterious a force, is the energy of thought, which has gone to sleep. The power of the unconscious. All the psychic force, which has gone to rest inside your psyche. So kulni is the energy of the mind. Energy of sound, energy of thought. And through this thought, conscious and unconscious, you have created your psyche or your psychic world, your universe, your individual universe. You'll have to understand it. And to understand your psychic universe, your psychic world, is to awaken the Kundalini. It's nothing mysterious. But that's a different question. I'm not going into the whole question of Kulini and how to awaken it, what does, but just see that this Kulini, when it goes from the first center to the seventh center, you go through the whole of your intellect, whole of your mind, conscious as well as the unconscious. All the levels of thought, but all known, all material, nothing spiritual in it. So awakening of Kulani and experiencing of all the experiences of the Kulani, right up from the first center to the seventh center, is the experiencing of the subtle material world, the world of thought and matter. Only when this energy has gone beyond the seventh, beyond the intellect, that means the Kundalini has come to an end. The reality, the absolute reality starts manifesting. So just not to awaken the Kundalini, that's not enough. Important thing is to go beyond the Kundalini, to go beyond the energy of thought, to come to that energy which is a unitary energy, the fundamental energy, the supramental energy beyond the mind. So there could be various techniques, various ways of awakening this Kundalini, activating your psyche, activating your unconscious. There could be many techniques. Techniques may be helpful. But just awakening the Kundalini and raising it to the seventh center is not enough. If the me does not come to an end. But if the me comes to an end, the ego comes to an end, then awakening the Kundalini would have a different significance. So when there is humility and simplicity in the psyche, when the arrogance is gone, the pride is gone, and there is love and affection, violence has ended in life, then awakening the Kundalini would be a different experience. Part of the Kundalini is always awakened if you have gone beyond the ego. If you have love and affection, if you have that simplicity, partly the Kundalini has been awakened. But to experience it, it in its fullness, if you have got through it, the ideal situation would be when the ego has come to an end. It's a very paradoxical thing. 
when the ego comes to an end, to look at the intellectual world, to look at the world of thought, and that thought has created for you, to look at your past, look at the known. From where? From the level of freedom from the known. And that known is the me, is the ego. So, known exists on two levels. One is the factual known as history. And one is the known existing as me, as myself, as the observer. When the observer comes to an end, the me as the known come to an end, then to discover and look back at the known world, the history of your psyche, the whole history of development of the human psyche, may be very interesting experience. But that is what was not the question, so I am not going into it. I am coming to the question of sexual energy. That was the first question asked, isn't it? I think partly the question has been answered. And you must know that when this energy is moving in your psyche, in the various centers of your body, any pursuit of pleasure is leakage of energy, a wastage of energy. Please understand that I am not advocating asceticism. I am not saying run away from pleasure. I am not preaching abstinence or denial of pleasure or life. I am not talking of that. And it's a very tricky question, please pay attention to it. It's a very tricky question at this moment. Whenever there is a pursuit of pleasure as me and the object of pleasure, there is some tension created by thinking which I call desire. Thought which does not create tension is not desire. So there are two levels of thought again. Thought which creates tension and thought which does not create tension. Factual thought does not create tension. Imaginary thought, psychological thought creates tension. That thought which springs from the me, from the center, that creates tension. Because the me itself is the creation of conflict. There is no me inside. But you create the me to accumulate, to store, to repeat. And in that accumulation and storage, there is tension. And then there is a desire for release of tension, because this tension will destroy you. Then you have to release tension. And some people have been advising so many systems and techniques to relieve your tension from different types of meditation and breathing and relaxation and tranquilizers so many ways but relieving the tension is not the answer unless you understand how you create the tension because you can keep on relieving the tension if the source of creating goes on 
unhindered, this relief of tension will be very temporary. So please find out why and how you create tension. So that relief may not be necessary. Very few people ins insist on that. Very few people indicate about that. To look at the source of tension rather than the relief of tension. And that is uh, perhaps necessary because if tension comes to an end, our established world today, the social order will crumble. 99% of people will go out of job. The doctors, the psychiatrists, the yoga teachers, the gurus, the priests, uh, the prostitute, the divorce courts, you know, everything will just crumble. If human beings learn not to create tension. And so, very few people advise you about that, to look into that matter. They're always asking you to find out some ways of relieving tension. So if the relief of tension is set aside and you start looking into the source of creating tension and understand how tension arises and you stop creating it, the whole social order will change. A new human being will emerge. This has been another episode of Dr. Bruce. Find many more talks by Dr. Kaushik linked off our site at drbruce.org slash podcasts. Music by Mystical Sun titled Place of Refuge from his new album 26,000.